Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Loose Ends, the Singh Family Tragedy. This is episode 30, Matt Steps Up. My name is Graham Crowley. Thanks very much for joining me. This podcast has been created for an adult audience and listener discretion is advised. Some feedback for you. Listener Caroline wrote to me, Hi Graham, I'm off work last two weeks as my dog had an operation, so we've both been quiet. Found your podcast on Leanne and found it so interesting and informative, plus unbelievable. Poor girl, what she went through. Well done on saying it how it is and not caring who it may offend, etc. Now almost finished Loose Ends and was thinking what will I listen to now? Then you announced new podcast. Well done on doing such great podcasts. The time you put into them really shows. Thanks, Caroline. Yes, I give it my best shot. It is pleasing to know my listeners do appreciate my work. A listener queried where in relation to the doorknobs in the Singh house, one of the earprints was located. To help you understand that evidence, which were called distractions by the Crown, I have posted two photographs on the Facebook page. One photograph is of an officer crouching near the door handle of the garage door. That door led from the garage into the house. The other photograph is of an officer on hands and knees outside Neilma's door. Now for this episode, and a brief background. In episode 17, Impressions Count, I explained the footprint evidence at the Singh crime scene. I was concerned and mindful that explaining something without vision can be quite difficult. Jeff Johnson then explained the footprint evidence from a legal viewpoint in episode 27, Game Changer. And again, I was concerned about the difficulty in explaining that evidence in a manner that could be easily understood. Matt contacted me after listening to episode 17. Matt and I have never met personally and are not known to each other. He told me about his background in the flooring industry. I put him in touch with Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson told me he was exploring the stair and footprint evidence with Matt but I left them to it. I was focused on scripting future episodes. After Matt and Jeff completed their discussions, Jeff suggested to me it may be helpful for the listener to have some vision of Matt stepping up the stairs. Initially sceptical, after discussions, I thought it was an excellent idea, and here we are. I recorded an interview with listener Matt earlier in the week. It sets out his experience and background. 
I have placed two further photographs on the Facebook page of the internal stairs at the Singh House to help you orientate yourself. I've also placed five videos of Matt walking and running up the stairs. To be clear, he did not conduct the experiments at the Singh House and on the Singh Stairs. And the stairs he did conduct them on turn left at the landing, whereas the Singh Stairs turn right. It is entirely up to you whether you watch those videos before, during or after my discussions with Matt. I found myself doing all three. In any retrial, I'm undecided whether Matt's videos would be used in evidence. It would depend, of course, on whether the Crown introduced the footprint evidence as part of their case. And you have heard us discuss that very issue in episode 29. In the event the footprints were introduced, Matt has no formal biomechanics training, but he does have a lot going for him. 20 years in the flooring industry, 20 plus years as an athlete. He has an excellent understanding of biomechanics, as you will hear and see. Just maybe he would be considered to have enough experience to give evidence into what he did and found. That is a conversation for another time. Here is the interview. Matt, thanks for joining me. Nice to talk with you, Graham. And thanks for assisting us on this, Matt. It's just fabulous that a listener will just go this far for us. Can you tell me a bit about your background, please? Your history in flooring, I guess. Yeah, sure, Graeme. So um, I started my flooring career when I was 18, sort of fresh out of school as such, not quite, but a little bit after that. Started originally uh, selling retail like uh, most guys do, did a lot of training through there. Over time progressed working with builders, usually uh, home builders, new home builders in and around Brisbane, Queensland. From there, I went on to do a little bit of project management in the flooring industry, sort of looking after bigger jobs and things like that. After a while, I worked out that if, if you put in the hard yards, the installers are the ones that were making all the money. So transferred over into that side of the flooring industry, have now been installing for about eight or nine years. Now I'm more concentrating mostly on uh, commercial vinyl flooring. But yeah, I've had a fair amount of training and stuff in regards to carpet, different styles of carpet, how they work, what works best for people, etc. things like that. So, yeah, I've gone on 21 years now. been working in the flooring industry. It's been a while. So in 21 years, you've been both selling carpets and flooring and you've been installing carpets and flooring. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, yes. Been on both sides of the coin. And you listened to episode 17. Mm, yeah, it was a good episode. I was a big fan of that one. A few things in episode 17 sort of came to my attention just small things, mainly that the bleach stain on the carpet came down to a question which I asked you of, did we know what the type of carpet was exactly? Because some carpets will bleach, some carpets won't bleach like the bleach stain was on it. Uh, we found out that it was a carpet that was bleachable, but in talking with Jeff and then having a look over some of the transcripts, mainly in regards to uh, Mr. Matner's evidence that he provided to the courts, I found a few things interesting again after that, mainly the fact that he stated there was two different types of carpet on the stairs, which in my experience from working with builders selling carpet to builders for new homes, obviously the Singh home was fairly new at the time of the incident. That practice is very unusual, very, very unusual. One, normally carpets all need to 
be of the same batch for one to keep the colour the same. Carpet between batch 101 and batch 102 could look very different to each other right next to each other. So the fact of putting two different carpets together in what was the staircase in Mr. Matner's evidence, he stated that on testing of the carpet, it was a nylon 6-6 style which ran up the stairs from the base level up onto the landing, but the landing was a nylon 6, which is a different style again. Still a nylon, but it's a different style again. So to find a style that they could get, which doesn't look any different, so to find a style that has the same colour, the same weight, be of a different batch but to not stand out, was of interest to me. Uh, initially, it seemed very odd. From there, we sort of proceeded to look a little bit further and we came across the footprints and that's yes. a different story again, isn't it? Yes. Well, we started out talking about the bleach and yes. we explored that for a while. And it is weird that there was two different types of carpet there. I don't know how they'd explain that. That house was only two years old. I don't know. But yes, we progressed then from the bleach to the actual footprints and the style, the shape, and the gap between the footprints would be the best way to describe it, wouldn't it? Gaps. And also, um, so Jeff sent me through the report done by the, the the guys at Bond University. Right. Now, we know a fair bit about what they said based on the last couple of podcasts that you spoke about it. But in that as well, there was some biometrics testing that they did. Now, footprint, in, let's say impression one, which is the one on the bottom floor on the carpet, the blackened one, the very black one that stands out like buggery. This looks like it was spray painted on there almost. Yep. Now, if we look at the angle that that foot is to the stair, that's a very odd angle to take a step. The distance between that foot and the step is also of interest because it's quite a big step. In yes, distance. it was. Eh? It was a long distance. And just on that, Matt, you don't have any formal training in biomechanics, do you? No, I do not, Graham. Not at all. But I you have definitely. a history in sport. Yes, Graham. So I played what we would class as semi-professional football or soccer in Brisbane for a long time. I've only recently stopped playing due to my knees starting to give away on me. A lot of my training, I was a goalkeeper, so it was a very different training to a lot of the other guys. Uh, I used to do a lot of stair running for training. The stairs at Victoria Point have seen the soles of my shoes quite a fair time and probably taken a fair bit of the concrete out of those bad boys over the years. We also did a lot of plyometrics training, which is a lot of sort of jumping from side to side off single footsteps and trying to extend your body as far as you can off a single step without anything behind it. That would be the only thing I would say I would have any training in regards to biometrics personally. Watching that video you did reminded me of watching my son. He was a decathlete and he did similar sort of training to you, a lot of stair training and a lot of yep. diverse training really because of there were so many events involved. But that is relevant because of that background, you were able to, you, you know about biomechanics and you know about placing of the feet and yes. stuff like that, right? Yes, very much. Like we didn't do what you were classes like university testing on things like that training, but we tested ourselves a lot in different facets, how we could, how our extensions were getting as time went on, you know. For an example, 
Graham, and it might sound weird, but I can do zero to 20 metres faster than Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt isn't the That's quickest bloke over 20 metres if you watch him do his 100-metre races, but still I can say I'm quicker than Usain Bolt over 20 metres when I was running once upon a time. When I was training and doing a lot of things, he would have had his shower and stuff by the time I finished the 100. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a big call, Matt. Do you mind if I ask you, Sane? You can ask him what his time was, and I'll give you what my time was. And I've actually got them written down here, Graham. So you saying Bolt in his last gold medal winning 100-meter race, his first 20 meters were done in a 2.87. My average time on a 20-meter when I was doing it was a 2.81, between a 2.81 and a 2.83. That's impressive. have power off the start, but mm. I was built for five seconds of hard and then I die. So, yeah, the 100 metres, I'm sort of crawling over the end and, and Usain's had a shower and he's probably <laughs> had a couple of beers and I'm still on my way home. So <laughs> that's I'll be real about that. But that's still impressive. I mean, I, it all comes down to training. Yes, it does. Matt, Jeff asked you to do some tests on stairs, didn't he? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, after I had a chat with him in regards to I'd been at a mate's house one afternoon and seen a set of stairs there and thought, let's try this triple step movement. And- yeah, okay. I wasn't privy to what Jeff asked you to do, so if you could just explain for the sake of the yeah, listener. Sure. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was chatting with, with Jeff just about a few of the findings that I'd found in regards to the footprints and such. Um, we went into a conversation of how I'd said to him that I'd had a bit of a muck around on a set of stairs and said, would you like if I sort of went and did some runs on the stairs and sort of tried to piece this puzzle together? Um, from there, we sort of, you know, we had a few more conversations and decided, yeah, let's jump on these stairs. I got the phone out and did a bit of filming of it, just tried running these footprints that, that are there um, straight up about it. One, the stairs are not exactly the same as the sing stairs. No, they're not. Two, I didn't have the exact position of the footprints. No, but you can get a fair gauge. Stairs aren't the biggest thing in the world, so you can sort of guess roughly where the uh, the footprints were. So, yeah, printed out some feet off, off the computer and uh, threw them down the stairs and had a bit of a crack at trying to replicate this set of footprints that was claimed that climbed the stairs from uh, impression one through nine. I was intrigued watching the videos. I found them quite interesting. Do you mind if I put some of them on the Facebook page? Not a problem at all. Not a okay. problem at all. No. all right. might help everybody sort of understand sort of the process that I went through to to replicate it as such. Yeah, it's probably yep. going to be helpful for somebody. Yeah. Yes, well, that was our idea that maybe a bit of vision here would help the listener get their head around what we were talking about, the stairs, the distance between the steps, the fact that at one point there's a 90-degree a turn and at that point the offender takes three steps, which is just huge. Put some rocket packs on, yeah. Yeah, Put a couple yeah. of rocket packs on and, and tried to launch himself up there, that's for sure. So you did these uh, experiments. Your mate yes. uh, videoed them. 
No, actually, I stole a ring light from my wife's salon <laughs> as a stand. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So you videotaped them? Yeah, he watched yeah. and laughed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He watched and laughed. Yep. We'll put those on the Facebook page. What were your thoughts whilst you're doing those steps, Matt? I had a few thoughts on it, to be honest with you, Graham. Firstly, if we go, let's go back to the very start. If we go back to impression one, which is where the claim print started from. Now, yep. footprint one is quite a distance from the first stair climbing the set of stairs. Yes. Angle of footprint one is also quite odd as the way that it's pointed away mm, from the stairs. It was. Uh, and then the first footprint is actually almost at a 90-degree angle to that mm. with only a slight angle on it. So you sort of go from a footprint that would be facing well away to one that's foremost facing straight up the stairs and that being impression two, the one that was found on day one, the bleach footprint, which is yes. the most legitimate footprint out of all of them, I would say. I looked at that and looked at the gap between the left foot and the right foot, the distance from impression one to the base of the stairs. It was, what was he thinking? It's well outside a normal, what you'd call a normal gate in mm. your step. And the fact that you're turning on an angle. Now, what's also intrigued me about that was if you look at the, the Bond University findings, their finding on footprint one their biomechanics testing on that says that it was a stepped footprint. It's not been done with a jump. It's not been done by running. It's a fully stepped footprint, like somebody walking at a normal walking pace. Right. That intrigued me because mm. of the fact of how far that gate is and the angle that you turn on that would be something almost like, okay, so I'll put it to you this way. It's a bit of a Benji Marshall sidestep as such from going from impression one to impression two is how I felt. And the fact that you need to do that, walking, makes that a lot more difficult. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Which then in turn, it's just a roll-on effect from there because when you roll on from impression two and then go into three, four, and five, the ones on that same rising set of stairs, they're quite not unusual as such. Number three was a bit different for me, I found. It was almost, I felt, walking it, which is based on the biomechanics from impression one. I walked it the first time. And impression three felt to me almost like, and I'd describe it as like a drunken stumble. It's very far off to the side compared to your normal walking track up a set of stairs. You right. actually deviate quite a bit and then come back into four again. So that was a bit odd for me. Four and five were a kind of a normal step into six, but this is where things get interesting. If we base that impression one is walking, therefore two needs to be walking, three, four, five are probably walking, which I've got a video of me 
walking that sort of step. Right. Uh, it can be it can be done. It's nothing unusual. Where it gets unusual is six, seven, and eight. So as we come up to the landing and start to turn the corner now, there's a video of me walking that. I could not physically walk that from impression four, five into six, seven, and eight. It was I could not follow the exact path, one would say. My foot could not reach far enough into the tread of the stair to recreate the same print. And it was just really wonky and and very unnatural, very – you just wouldn't do it is what I Mm. thought of it. You just wouldn't do it. You'll see on the videos at times, most of the time, if it was done at any more than a walking pace, you'd see I'd have to use a hand somewhere. The center pole, for example, I used the center pole to help mm-hmm. me launch out of the impression seven into impression eight, which is that three-step jump. Mm. And, I mean, immediately the three-step jump, just looking at the pictures, put me off. Having done a lot of stair running in my time, doing a three-step just throws you a whole momentum off, really. It almost mm. stops you as such because you have to rebalance and things like that. I mean, I showed my mate the picture of it. And I said, oh, look at this one. He does a three-step jump. And my mate's exact reply was, the fuck he does. Like, it's so (laughs) out of normal. It's just not right. And, like, my friend is a bit shorter than me, admittedly. He's a little midget guy, but he's not a midget. (laughs) He's a little short little fellow. He's not much of him. (laughs) Him trying to do three steps was just ridiculous. Like, it was the funniest. He almost had to feel like I'd grab one of his legs and pull it up the stair to get him to get on it, you know. I asked his son who's got longer legs than him, and he just went, no. He didn't even try it. He just went, no. Like, yeah. it's just- Well, I'm nearly your height, and I don't – even back in the day, I don't think I could have done a three-step jump, particularly not turning a corner like that. That Coming around the corner, it's just that that really throws it. Like, for mm. one, it's not a normal movement going straight. To do yep. it off the corner, you'll see in the videos, I'm either grabbing the, the centre post, which is clearly in the photos being fingerprinted, or yep. fingerprint dusted. I, I put my hand up against the wall next to that step where you get that third step up, which yep. would be impression eight. You probably hear on the video a few times me moaning and groaning coming out of the third step because it's <laughs> quite a stretch. Um, I said to Jeff on email when we were chatting about it originally, I went out and I was just mucking around on my mate's stairs and I had just my work shorts on, just a pair of King G work shorts. Mm. And the work shorts would physically restrain me from being able to get in close to putting the footprints back together to the point where I was trialing this run in my jocks because it was the only way I could get the stretch that day. <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. that much of a stretch. And of, of interest is how deep into the tread impression eight is because he's put a fair amount of his foot onto the tread. I was finding I was hitting the front ball of my foot on the front of the tread. Oh, yeah. mm. If I was getting the depth by sort of launching out of the corner with the pot, like using the centre rail or something like that, I wasn't getting any more than the ball of my foot down unless I physically stopped, mm. dropped, started again to go again. And again, why would somebody do that? If you're supposedly in a house to do what this person has done, are you sitting there on the stairs going, let's just muck around and jump about and move here mm. and there and go flibbly flobbly? You know, it's just it's not going yeah. to happen. Inexplicable. You know, like, yeah. Like to the point where I tested this by 
asking my mate's son behind his back, hey, just squeal out at one point that you've hurt yourself pretty bad. I just want to see what your dad does when he runs up the stairs. You know what I mean? Not the nicest mm. thing to do to the bloke, but hey, it's a good <laughs> test at the end of the day. You know, and he went straight up the stairs. He went bang down the middle in a straight line, took twos all the way up, and on the corners actually took them as singles, not twos. Yeah, I was, I was listening to you just then. I thought, I wonder what he does when he gets to the corner. Mm, just one. Singles. Mm. Singles, singles on the singles on the corners, yeah, because you've got mm. to turn and adjust. Yeah, well, you got to navigate, don't you? Yeah. yeah, like I said, he is shorter than me, and and but I think it's more the fact of just the natural human body moving more than anything mm. is what it comes down to, mm. which doesn't make a lot of sense. If sure, honest, you know. So I also thought personally, after trying it a few times, you might actually see on the videos. And at one point in one of the videos, I sort of give myself a bit of a talking to saying, what are you doing? You're looking at them. But I actually walked the footprints backwards because it was the more natural way to walk it, honestly, to have your footprints the other way around. There's a you just, hang, just Just hang on. You walk the footprints backwards. Just Can you yeah, just clarify so that? Of, so by I was where I was meant to put my right foot first, I'd put my left foot first or vice versa. And oh, okay. actually just subconsciously walk the stairs in the same pattern, but my feet were opposite, as one would say, mm. mirrored to what it was, especially mm. when you get to impression eight. It's actually quite close to the wall, and the footprint that is that is the wall-sided footprint, not the inside. Um, so you sort of, when you land that, I was finding I was sort of rubbing my arm or bumping my shoulder onto the wall because you're pretty tight up against the wall on that spot. So. Mm. There's a lot of doesn't make sense moments to me. I ended up having to break the most of the run down into parts, sort of part one being one through five and part two being sort of four through seven and part three mm. being sort of six through nine. It was So what almost, you're saying is the steps weren't natural. Or the very spacing unnatural. wasn't natural. Spacing was unnatural, the gate was unnatural. The, just the angle of the walk up the stairs was unnatural. Seven to eight, impossible, I'd say, for somebody just walking, unless if you're actually physically trying to do that. Nobody's going to do that. It's impossible, to be honest with you. It's – sorry, it's not impossible, Graham. It's stupidly improbable that improbable. somebody's going to walk like that. <laughs> Improbable is the word. Like mm. Nobody's going to walk like that, you know what I mean? It's very improbable that somebody is going to walk up at a set of stairs in the way the footprints were made. And then, I mean, realistically, what I got out of testing that was that there's one footprint on that set of stairs, which is legitimate, and that is impression two, which was found on day one when they arrived, the actual bleached footprint, the only Mm. one that is a bleached footprint. Mm. The other ones I just, I mean... If you look at the – I read pretty extensively through the Bond University testing, there's three different sizes of footprints. If you go on their measurements, there's three different footprint sizes there, which could mean two to three different. Mm. There's so many different things on it that just don't make sense. And if I go back also on saying that to my carpet background, if I look at the piece they took out of step one, that carpet looks – like it's got quite a long pile to it. In my experience, a long pile 
think of an old school plush carpet when you walked on it you could see everywhere you went you could see the exact vacuum marks when somebody would sure. vacuum it that's the way plush is designed but if you've got a twist pile which is what that carpet was and it's still a long enough pile it would do a similar thing i'm not trained we've already discussed that but to me somebody standing on a longer pile carpet isn't going to leave such a clear impression the, the carpet's going to fold and bend and move as you stand on it as your weight stands on it in different ways. I'd expect a much more distorted impression is probably where I'm trying to get at mostly. I'd expect it to be more distorted, more looking like impression two, which looks a little bit distorted. Yeah. You look at one and it's almost like it was, you know, it almost looks like one of these footprints that I cut out that I printed off off the computer and they've sort of stuck it on there, you know, that's almost what it looks like. It's too perfect the way I see it, but personal opinions. Matt, would it be fair to say you don't believe those steps going up the carpet, up the stairs are genuine? No, not at all. No. Uh, only impression two is genuine to me, um, which is looks fairly natural in most of its ways. It looks like it's be the way that you'd sort of enter the stairs walking from that direction, which looks around the corner as such in the house. One can't be anything but fraudulent. The other ones can't be made by one person in one walk or in one climb of the stairs, let's say, is what I would say. Yeah. If they wanted to suggest instead that there was multiple footprints by multiple people, I might buy into it. But to say that that's one person walking in one particular walk up the stairs, can't buy it. Can't buy it. I'll keep my money in the bank. Sorry, Graham. Not on that one. We might leave it there, Matt. Easy. Thank you very much for your time and effort in doing that. I found it very interesting. I'm sure the listener will find it very interesting. And I really appreciate your input. No, no problems at all, Graham. It was um, good to get the the mind space doing something a little bit different outside of uh, <laughs> looking at the ground at what's on the floor. That's yeah, such. yeah. All right. So, thank Thanks, you, Matt. Graham. Not a problem. Have a great day. You too. What can we say about Matt's experiments? I can see the crown and a QPS huffing and puffing over Matt's comments. Mocking Matt, the tradie with no formal experience, mocking him because he didn't know the exact location of the impression on each step. He was estimating them. The Crown would be saying Matt had no credibility. That is not for me to say or decide. What I can say is that when you add Matt's experiments to the evidence that Jeff Johnson has adduced, as well as the results of the Bonuni tests, I find Matt's experiments compelling. Thanks again to Matt for stepping up. I hope you now have a clearer understanding of the evidence in relation to the footprints on the stairs in the Singh house. You may or may not recall from episode 17 where I told you that there were also three impressions found in Neilma's bedroom caused by the killer stepping in blood. The impressions in Neilma's room were of poor quality, very poor quality, and were more likely to be a shoe, not a foot. 
And we don't know whatever happened to that evidence surrounding the impressions in Neilma's room. They just stopped being talked about. They weren't presented at trial. We don't know whether those impressions were by the killer or by a first responder. But it is significant. If it was the killer, Maxika, he has gone up the stairs in socks and then put shoes back on and walked around up there. What happened to the point of circumstantial evidence that he was obeying the house rules by not wearing shoes upstairs? Given the police narrative, I now wonder whether those impressions were made by the killer and the police ignored them because they did not fit their narrative. To suggest that he obeyed the house rules by not wearing shoes upstairs is absurd, as I've previously said. The killer smoked, drank and ate upstairs and threw a butt into the spa bath, but he didn't wear shoes up the stairs, bordering on ridiculous. It was likely an unspoken rule. He was not supposed to murder anyone upstairs as well. That's it for episode 30. Just when you thought this podcast was coming to an end, new material comes out. And I have even more material to come out. Don't go away. It gets very interesting. Please join me next time for A Case for the Prosecution. What Jeff Johnson has been saying in this podcast over the past seven or so episodes is his opinion only. What I have been saying over the entire 30 episodes is my opinion only. It just happens that Jeff Johnson's opinion and mine align, and we both reached our current position independently. But they are simply that, opinions. And as you well know, everyone has one. There are many, many people who believe Max Seeker murdered the Singh children. I owe it to you to hear their opinion. Any discussion of this case needs to hear both sides of the argument. If you believe Max Seeker was a killer, I would really appreciate you contacting me and telling me the evidence that you have to support that or what your opinion is and how you arrived at it. You don't need to tell me your name, details. I have reached out to my retired detective network and asked them to work up the evidence to show Max Seeker was the killer. I was going to say to prove Max Seeker was the killer, but the Supreme Court has already proven that. And that is what I'll present in the next episode. Maybe you will change your mind, sit on the fence, or maintain your current opinion, whatever that may be. If you follow the podcast, you will be advised when the next episode is released. Please rate and review the podcast and helps others to find it. If you like the podcast, tell your family and friends. If you have questions, information or feedback, you can contact me via the following. The Facebook page is Loose Ends, The Singh Family Tragedy. My email address is looseends2003 at outlook.com. This podcast was made possible with the awesome assistance of the ACAST Creator Network. Music, before I go, by RKVC. You'll find all my contact details in the show notes at the end of each episode. Thanks for listening.